Hey guys, Drew Davis again with the Every Arkansan Podcast. Today we've got another treat for you. Anthony Hampton is joining us from City Connections. City Connections is a ministry that's near and dear to my heart. They opened a lot of doors for us. They just connect the church and nonprofits and the government and all these agencies together. I know that they're going to be a real blessing for you today. Thank you for joining us today from City Connections. Um, been around for a little bit. I mean, tell us a little bit about your backstory. Well, I'm. Thanks for the, the opportunity to come here and be a part of this. Um, my backstory: I grew up here in Little Rock, um, single parent home, kind of in the middle of. If you're familiar with Little Rock, middle of Twelfth Street, in and around that area, was primarily where me and my uh, two younger brothers kind of grew up at, and so kind of seen a bunch of different stuff kind of growing up there and all of those different type things and so that's that's the backstory of who Anthony kind of sort of is that that child that's kind of grew up in poverty um, and I often tell people I'm just a little boy from Little Rock that's just sort of kind of trying to make a difference as much as I can um, with whatever it is that God allows me to put my hands on. How, how did I mean growing up here so where'd you go to high school Central or? I went to Central. Little Rock Central graduated uh, year 2000 so young guy yeah <laughs> so then what'd you do after that you've kind of i've kind of bounced around a little bit worked at some retail stores and stuff like that i tried college um and a couple of different times and some of those things and those efforts just didn't work out for me um, i think i just kind of got distracted and just kind of lost my way a little bit because i really just wanted to do the work and not have to do some of the educational stuff behind the work and so I would probably say right now I'm 30 hours from a bachelor's, but I haven't, um, I haven't had that push or that desire to want to go and finish that at this very moment, um, or what have you. So, and and now you're the lead position at probably one of my favorite nonprofits in this city, um, the heir apparent of Jeff Spry, yeah. um, for all that that's worth. I'm trying to fill those footsteps is difficult but yeah very very difficult um one that i that i've always said and strive to say that i will not try to be jeff because trying to be him it takes 10 people to do just (laughs) one part of who jeff really is um and so i've just been kind of blessed to be in that position i started out there 10 19 years ago just kind of being a volunteer learning about them as i had a heart and passion to go and serve and so it kind of afforded me that opportunity to be able to do it and so in being able to do that, just kind of worked alongside of that. And about four years ago, came on staff, um, just kind of in an office management role to just sort of kind of help around the office and lead some different projects and stuff like that. Um, to where it kind of just, as we went through some different transitions, it ended up coming into over these last six months or so of myself being the interim director uh, for the organization and helping to sort of kind of give some um, lead to it to continue moving it forward. I always tell everyone one of the things we're known for is our feeding programs and it was Jeff Spry and City Connections that made the introductions connected us so to speak to the right organizations to allow us to go from feeding 600 kids in one summer to 50,000 kids in a summer Um, and that's I think one of the the great things about City Connections is just how they just 
tie the body of Christ together with those that have resources and those that have talents and mm-hmm. um, all these other things. So tell me a little bit more about City Connections. And that, that has always been our goal, and that continues to be our goal, is that we're striving to push and get churches and organizations together to, to know and meet one another, to collaborate and to work together, to hopefully have opportunities like that that comes together to where it's not us putting our names on it, it's us just kind of making the introductions and then bagging out of the way, and hopefully those relationships flourish. And so that's what we become known for. And so most oftentimes we're that organization that people ask for numbers and say, what are y'all doing also great? Well, they you can't find them in numbers like that because we build them upon relationships. And those relationships expand so much further than um, what we can even kind of pinpoint or put down on paper. And so that's what we're known for. That's what we're continuously doing of trying to network those various different things. We used to do and have partnerships with giving back to school supplies and setting up at Walmart and making sure organizations had what they needed and, and funneling those things out. Um, when organizations call us about various different meat products and stuff like that that they have to give away, uh, funneling those things to organizations that kind of need them. <clears throat> and so you all have been a part of it and others have as well. We've been able to give over two, 300,000 pounds of meat over the last two or three years through um, connection with Arkansas Hunters for Feeding the Hungry and various other different things. And so that's what we're known for is that that resource agency as well as kind of networking in a sense to to say where are the resources that and how can we connect to some others that are kind of doing some similar work or that some work that we have need for. You talked earlier about growing up on 12th Street. Um, so probably what I would call the Madison Heights yeah. area. Um, growing up in, in one of the tougher areas of Little Rock, yep. which a lot of people don't realize we're the fifth, fourth or fifth most dangerous city in the country and then you take that corridor it's one of the toughest communities in our city yeah um how did you how did you keep from going down that wrong path that so many of the kids in that neighborhood took especially during that time period when um it was just i mean a bottomless pit so to speak of hopelessness for so many um, I, that that story is interesting in and of itself because there there were times my mom dated men that had drugs sold out of the house that we were in and all of those different types of things and so we didn't always have food and sometimes we were without utilities and that sort but it was interesting that the ones who were doing the dirt were the ones influencing us to say you don't need to be a part of this there's something so much greater for your life and, and it's interesting how God was using them in those moments when I didn't really even know God like that because we didn't grow up in faith like that. We went to church here and there every once in a while. Um, but it was those persons that were really out there doing the drug dealing and the ones who were doing the shooting and killing and that stuff that knew us that said, no, you don't need to be a part of this. There's something so much greater for you. And so that's what it kind of what kept us influenced. And as well as we had family around us that always kind of kept us encouraged and engaged and making sure that when we didn't have what whatever it was that they could provide and giving us that encouragement that we need. And so that's really where that support came from. How did then that turn into your passion for, I mean, really just helping all kinds of parachurch and church and other organizations out there just really, I mean, chase after something. Being being the oldest child, um, like I said, that's two younger than I, and so I knew that even from that very thing that I had to set an example for them. And so in, in setting an example for them, kind of looking at some of the diff- different dynamics, it just began to kind of say, 
how can my community, how can the place where I grew up at, how can some other kids and families become much better than what they are? And helping them to understand that there's so much greater, there's something so much further than that. And so that's been really that passion and drive behind that. And so my reaching back to say, no, I haven't, I don't have the big house and the fancy cars and the greatest job, but yet you don't have to necessarily stay where you are. And helping them to get that message to say, I'm a kid just like you. I grew up in this and yet you can come out of this. And even the adults can come out of this so much better. And it doesn't take all of this stuff that you see on TV and some of the other things that people have kind of talked about. But just sort of kind of using my life as a testimony to be uh, that change agent, hopefully for uh, the betterment of who they are. As the neighborhood kind of is progressing, and I know that for years they've been talking about future plans and all that where where do you see your old stomping ground so to speak in the next 10 years or 20 years or i hope it's better um in the 37 years that i've been on this earth and and, and most of it being here in, in in arkansas and looking around that area i haven't seen any i haven't seen much growth for that area um and i don't know if that's leadership government wise or community or whatever that is and so hopefully there's this sense of community that begins to come back that we begin to kind of take ownership, which is really lacking in that. And so hopefully there's some ones that can begin leading <clears throat> that sense of saying, okay, let's own where we are to really begin making it better. I think that's where the community has to go and will go if it gets the right people in place to be able to do some of that type of stuff. Um, to lead down a change in 20, 10, 20 years that 12th Street won't always continue to look like what 12th Street is and when you hear it, you won't always be like, oh, I'm afraid to go over in that area. Uh, because that's the perception. Right. And when you right. hear that, that and, and then sometimes we try to change names and think that it's going to make it better, and it really doesn't. And so hopefully we can get leadership and some other people to step up and, and be in place to begin making that change and difference that needs to be made. One of the other really cool things that you guys do at, at your ministry is – really working with ex-convicts, um, re-entry programs and all of that. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that. I absolutely love the story of Operation Restore. It's been around now um, since 2013, 2014. We started that um, as a way of direct service for our organization to begin helping those who are coming out of drug and alcohol programs, coming out of prison, who need another chance at life. And yet most times they have they have histories of criminal backgrounds, but yet they have so much in them that somebody just needs to give them another chance. And so that program has really been great. Uh, the lead for that is, is one by the name of Joe Wilson, and she has really been um, great at leading that simply because she has that background. She has that felony background of drugs and that type of stuff. And so she's really, not only is she helping that agency to be everything that it needs to be, it really helps us that don't have that background to kind of get us insight and understand those that are coming in. And so it allows us to be able to touch the lives of those men and those women that are coming in here that need another chance, that just need a hug, that just need prayer, whatever they need for that moment and in, in that encouragement. And so to date, we've probably helped over 300 plus people um, to find work in, in some sense, primarily temporary with at least 75 to 100 of those persons being permanently uh, added to those staffs of those employers that we uh, have contracts with. So, really great success. For, oh. Yeah, and it's um, it's always amazing. I tell people, it's honestly, the worse your background, the easier it is to find a job. Yeah, it um, seems like it. <laughs> just, just because uh, of what y'all have done with that and what it's kind of led to employers trusting mm -hmm. um, 
people who've got maybe a sketchy background to to give them a shot. Yeah. And that, that, that doesn't come without fail, of course. I mean, you have some people that just kind of fall off the wagon or they don't live up to the commitment that you would hope they would. But you're right. Um, it, it does allow that opportunity for them and, and that trust to say, you all are really taking a chance on them. And so we, we kind of kept this, in a sense, bottled to where we have really continuously built that upon relationship too, to where we're not advertising and marketing like that uh, wide scale intentionally because we want people coming to us who really want another chance, who really want to do something different with their life beyond what their past has been. Right. Not just get a job because their PO told them, hey, right. you got to get a job, but I really want something to change. Yeah. So, and then another thing you guys operate out of y'all's offices is, is uh, incubator is probably not the, the correct terminology. Not anymore, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, y'all really have that community feeling for a lot of small nonprofits that headquarter right out of your office. Yeah, and so we absolutely love the nonprofit area. And and so this, when you talk about this, this section where we are now, um, when we were on 6th Street in, in Little Rock a few years ago, we had this very same setup. We had about six nonprofits that could office, and now we have about 12. And it just kind of allows them the opportunity to come in here and to be housed and to have that office space to hopefully connect and, and, and work with some others that are in that field, but yet to be able to come and go as they feel and please, uh, and yet for us to be able to help them. And so it's been great. We have 12 cubicles uh, spaces, 11 of them are occupied by 10 different organizations that kind of represent it there. And so the interaction that sometimes takes place between those organizations are just phenomenal. And then it allows them to have their meetings there and conferences or workshops or whatever it else it is that they need in workspace that they yet need to be able to do their, their book of business. Plus at a nominal fee of 125 a month, um, which you can't really find that anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> um, and it, and it helps them to say, I'm a, I'm a startup nonprofit or I've been around for a while. And this just gives me that sense of permanency and legitimacy to know that my organization is at least off the ground. And then hopefully we as a staff and others that we're connected to can help them to get what they need to. Yeah, and I think that's a, a huge issue. So many organizations try to do it alone. Yeah. Um, and honestly, we always say if it weren't for the relationships we have, we wouldn't be anywhere near what we're capable of doing. And if we want to go those next steps, it's going to take more relationships. Right. Um, all the money in the world can can buy things, but it still doesn't move the needle like relationships yeah. do. Um, and one of the other things that y'all have been doing for years and years are, are the community luncheons. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. So every third Thursday, January through November, we do a community-focused lunch is what we call them. And it's always a, a room full of normally 30, 35 individuals that are coming from various different nonprofit backgrounds or from the community that kind of get a chance to network and fellowship and learn about one another and what's kind of going on and yet learn about organization. And sometimes we've kind of... Twi tweak those to where we just had to have some conversational times and, and going forward. But it's primarily focused on those nonprofits being able to network and focus there. And so every third Thursday, 12 to 1, we do that intentionally. And we've just seen great relationships even happen out of that um, to where some of those connections can be so much further uh, grown. And so we absolutely love it and, and we haven't stopped it. Sometimes we thought about when how, how how much more often do we do this but we think kind of just keeping it at the once a month thing for the moment um, is what's kind of best and it's been really great for me because 
back when y'all were on 6th Street. I mean, I was able to attend those. And even in y'all's new facility, relatively new facility. Um, but it's it's not just a bunch of small nonprofits or the big mm-hmm. daddy of the nonprofits. It's a mixture of all of them. Yeah. And then also it's a mixture of business leaders that yeah. are interested in philanthropy or business leaders that are interested in what can they get involved in as they transition in life from business to to whatever's next. And so it's to me it was always encouraging because it was it was a, a good mix of people there for different reasons and things just always happen. Yeah. And that's and that's the way it's continued and that's the thing that we've been great about is that like I said it's not just nonprofits only or this size nonprofit it's all of them and and there's that always that open invitation um for churches and all those various different organizations and groups to be to become a part of it and so we've seen tremendous tremendous work that comes out of that you know we've been able to pray for different organizations and to raise funds for different organizations through some of those different types of meetings and which is not primarily our goal in the end to try to raise funds for those but yet sometimes we've kind of shifted those that way to do such but you're right um to bring a different mix of group that kind of comes in really makes it a whole lot better i mean right now what what's kind of the the big target on y'all's plate so to speak um what what are y'all really looking at getting excited about in the I'm I'm truly excited about what, what this cultural competency piece that we've kind of been engaging ourselves in and around. So the last year or two, uh, Cesar Ortega, who kind of leads our Latino um, work there, began a project with WRF, uh, with the Rockefeller Foundation, and kind of leading discussion in and about the Latino needs and that type of stuff. And he's, he's a well-known pastor here, associate pastor that served at one of the local churches for a while. And so um, he has great connections in the community. And so that's where we've kind of lended ourselves to over this last couple of months and looking forward going to is, is saying, how can we engage ourselves to be much more cultural competent than what we are? Because what you begin to kind of learn, even in the Latino population, is that Latinos and African-Americans have, have this big rift between them that I never really knew about until having a discussion with him a couple of years ago that primarily that rift is that they're fighting for the same territory. They're fighting to be the minority in the same territory, and they don't know how to really get along. And then you have, of course, all the other issues. And so trying to find that blend of mix to say, how can we come together, understand one another, and live together in harmony much better than we do? The other side that we're trying to take this from is not just are we seeing that culturally and in relationship as a community, but it happens much more in the church than it needs to. And so how can we begin to bring those various different things together to begin openly talking about that? And since we're one of those places that most churches will say, you all are a neutral ground for us, while we're focused and centered on Christ, we're not focused on the denominational issues that most of our churches have. And so we, can, we feel like we can bring some of those various different things together to have those discussions and kind of go forward from there. Just from my experiences, y'all have done an amazing job of bringing together I mean, it, it's truly a quilt project there of this patch and that patch and mm-hmm. this group of people and that group of people that otherwise would have never shared their voice with each other. Um, they can run across each other's paths there and all of a sudden realize, hey, we're all going after the same thing. That's it. <laughs> and it's it's refreshing. Yeah. I mean, because so much of the time, especially in the, in the nonprofit and the church world, um, everyone looks at it and says, oh, those are my sheep. Oh, that's my money. 
Mm -hmm. um, and if they give to you, they can't give to me as much or, or whatever. They start to think through things at this zero-sum game, and that's not how God works. Right. He's, he's this God of multiplication, and he sees things a whole lot different than we do. And it, it's once we can kind of come together and, and start talking and start to realize these things that all of a sudden some amazing partnerships and yeah. and stuff comes out of it. I know that um, when we were starting to do some of our feeding programs, it was it was like you guys were saying, hey, check out this church. They've got this program. How could you do this? Oh, that's an AG church. Oh, check check out this. This is a Latino church. Oh, check out this. This is an African-American. It was just like doors were opening all over the city mm -hmm. um, because all we cared about and all they cared about was how can we feed that next child? Exactly. <laughs> um, and it's, I want to say the, the probably the best word there is innocence. Yeah. I mean. When we can make the main thing the main thing and focus on that only mm -hmm. in and of itself, then all the other stuff can be washed away and we can really serve for the purpose in which it is that we need to serve. Yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else that's just on your heart that you, I mean, excited about these days with ministry and you know, I'm, family I'm, in the city and I mean because you, you're not just a, a ministry guy yeah. I mean you're all over the place yeah so. I mean there, there's a number of different things that I do outside of, of serving and, and trying to to be the best at whatever that kind of looks like um, for myself but the one thing that I would say most oftentimes we we have fear um, and, I, and I've had it myself I've experienced it most of my life of fear of am I enough do I have enough do I have what it takes um, to really be what I've been called to be by God? Do I have to meet these standards that have been set by the world? And there's nothing wrong with some of those standards that have been set. But when I limit myself only to the standards, then I really don't fulfill the purpose in which it is that God has called for my life. And so I would just encourage anyone to, to step outside of that, see outside of yourself, believe much more in yourself, to know that there's something so much greater in you that you can take this and do much further than where you should. I probably shouldn't be sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in if it was by man's standards. Mm -hmm. But because God just has favor on my life and always has, then he's been able to kind of get me to that place and I don't ever forget that I always make sure to remember that and so each and every day that I wake up he's my focus he's my target for my family for whatever that is that I'm involved in how am I making sure that I'm honoring you through whatever it is that I'm doing and so through city connections through the various different nonprofits that I work with and whatever other service I lend myself to I'm trying to make sure that I'm pleasing him that's just a powerful thing because I know when I started my ministry, I thought, oh, I'm going to have this building. It's an old hospital, old VA hospital. That's that's my building. And it's 550,000 square foot. If I would have gotten it, we would have done nothing but maintain it for mm -hmm. the rest of our lives. But it was like in God's timing, in God's way, we knew we wanted a facility. But it was Jeff coming to me and saying, hey, we've got an old YMCA in downtown Little Rock that's going to shut the doors. Wow. And Jeff said, would y'all like it? We'll sell it to you for what kind of debt we have on it right now just to get out from under that. And it was, it was never my intention. Mm -hmm. It was never my plan. But when I was open to seeing what God had, um, we took that building, we gutted it down to the studs and, and rebuilt it. And over the years, I've seen more and more people walk through the doors and say, I remember when. Wow. I remember when. I remember getting drunk here and throwing up in this back classroom or I remember I came here during summer camp or 
or whatever it was, but it was, I wasn't open to that when I started mm -hmm. because I had my mind set on this massive building, not on this little small building that didn't even know was available. Right. But God used it so much more with the unexpected than my best plans in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's exciting to me about what y'all do is y'all kind of bring these parties together that they never thought that, oh my goodness, I can, I can work with this. Yeah. Um, so, well, Mr. Anthony, um, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, for sharing about City Connections. What's the best way someone can kind of get in touch with you guys? Uh, you can go to our website, www.cityconnectionsinc.org. Uh, we're as well on Facebook, City Connections. Um, I think it's just City Connections there. But those are primarily two ways that you can contact us. Info at cityconnectionsinc.org. Or you can contact myself, Anthony, at cityconnectionsinc.org um, through those kind of platforms. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, man. Thanks for the invitation. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Every Arkansan Podcast. Anthony Hampton is a dear friend, and the ministry he works with, City Connections, has been just a true blessing to everything I've done in my life. And it's a testimony to where you can't do it alone. Every Arkansan means every Arkansan. You never know what relationship is going to take you to that next level. We encourage you, get in relationships, seek out wise counsel, seek out people who are chasing after the same dream as you, and go for it. Thank you for joining us on the Every Arkansan Podcast. Let us know if there's a topic you'd like to learn more about so that we can help you chase after your God-given dream. In the meantime, you can like, subscribe, and share this on social media. Check with us next week for another inspiring story of Arkansans chasing their dreams.